Thank you, Brother Stephen, Brother Aaron. I've, uh, I've enjoyed worshiping down here. Anybody else? Room feels smaller, but in some ways the spirit feels larger. I can, not that the spirit's ever uh, bound to our, well. The spirit does act in accordance with our obedience. He does whatever he pleases. He gives and he takes away. However, uh, I just enjoy being down here. So I want to thank uh, Jim before I even begin. Thanks, Jim. Jim's looking confused, like, why are they clapping for me? Jim came at 5.30 this morning to get this space ready. So some of y'all thought you got here early at 8.55. Jim, Jim beat you here by a couple hours. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay. Um, make sure to set my timer. So have any of you guys ever had an awkward handshake? Like, you go to shake someone's hand, um... Adam Tennant told me this morning, he said, you know what, I'm always afraid to hang out with you the night before you preach, because I'm afraid that whatever we do the day before is going to end up in the sermon, and it is, hey, it's not you, though, this is Adam. So at our house, we hung out with the tents, we did some evangelism yesterday, Matthew's alive, uh, little Liam, two years old, just gospel track machine, it was amazing to see, um, you know, some of us think, oh, we can't share the gospel, two-year-old Liam can do it, we can do it, amen? And in some ways, maybe the adults want to take a track from him, but not somebody like me. So we, that's why we bring Liam with us. <laughs> but afterwards, we enjoyed some fellowship, some uh, chimichurri chicken and potatoes. If y'all had my wife's chicken and chimichurri, you know what I'm talking about. If not, we invite you over to come partake in that. And one thing we do, if you've ever eaten dinner with us, we, we try to hold hands um, before, um, before we eat. We just hold hands and just a sign of unity that we're together. And uh, Adam Tennant... When he went to hold my hand, he kind of like grabbed like like this part of my hand, and just I was kind of like trying to like man, like don't you gotta hold a hand? And he literally said, "Man, I'm not used to holding other dudes' hands. I don't do this very often." And so that's one example. Um, another example I have is um, one of my best friends, uh, Eric Scott. Uh, I met him when I was in third grade, and. Um, you know, my family moved here from Indianapolis when I was in second grade. His family was from here, but his dad was from Brooklyn. And so, you know, you have to kind of go back in history with me. We're going to time travel back to the mid-80s. Um, this was before North Carolina was one of the fast, or Charlotte was one of the most fastest growing cities uh, in the United States. Um, pretty much everyone that was here uh, drank sweet tea, sun drops, and spoke with a southern accent. And so we were kind of the odd men out. We were from Indianapolis, Indiana. Everyone thought we were Yankees. They're like, I'm a bunch of Yankees. I was like, man, I'm not from New York. I thought that's what Yankees were. And, and so then you got this guy, Frank, who's from Brooklyn, and, and he's got a thick Brooklyn accent. And so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of setting the stage for the fact that we didn't quite fit in uh, with, with Southerners. I mean, eventually, by God's grace, God kind of acclimated us in this community. But our two families were a little bit different. And Frank had a very unique handshake. And um, the first time I, I shook uh, Frank's hand, I went out, and it was just like, you know, there was, it, was, it, it was just weird, and here's why. Um, Frank was not only a New Yorker, uh, he was not only a veteran, he was not only my baseball coach, he was not only my mentor, he was not only uh, a man who I, I grew to love and cherish, a man who corrected me, but he was also a carpenter. And one day, Frank was uh, using the bandsaw, and he was, he was, he was guiding the the, the wood, uh, the plank of wood against the bandsaw, and what do you think happened? 
he literally sawed his thumb off. And Frank's, Frank's pretty hardcore, man. Frank grabbed his thumb, and he went to the emergency room, and they sewed it back on. And I'm not sure what the purpose for that thumb was, maybe other than to make people feel awkward during a handshake. But he had this, um, his thumb was like basically stuck to his hand like this. And so when you went in for a handshake, like you get jabbed by his, his thumb nub right in your, your thing. It was the most awkward handshake I've ever had in my entire life. Even more awkward than the way Adam held my hand yesterday. And so why am I bringing this story up? Well, because what can happen is, you know, that's the initial impression, right? As men, we're supposed to shake other men's hands. And so as you shake Frank's hand, you're immediately going to be met with uncomfortable. Like, because you, you feel something that's not right. And you, your tendency is to, like, do that, be repulsed a little bit, want to look what's going on. Uh, it was his right hand, too, you know, so he, he had no choice because men shake with their right hand. And so... The tendency we have when that happens is to kind of like to pull back and say, man, like, I don't want to shake that guy's hand again. That was weird. But what I learned over the course of Frank's life, and, and, and God rest his soul, Frank passed away on 9-11-2001. He fell out of a deer stand, broke his neck and died, and had the, the blessed opportunity to be at his funeral. And this was a man I grew to love deeply. He was like my second dad. But... But what happens is, is you come in for this handshake, and, and if you're met with this weird, unique, weird, strange experience, you, you, your human tendencies want to pull back. And today's passage is about loving each other. And I would, I would kind of like, whether you think it or not, each one of you guys is weird. And each one of you guys, whether you believe it or not, your handshake, your person is like Frank's. There's something awkward about it. And so what prohibits us from loving people is that as we get close to someone enough to touch them and, and maybe even go in for a handshake and we start to experience the other person's uniqueness, it's repulsive to us because we like ourselves more than we like people. And it stops us from entering in past that handshake where we say, you know what, that, that felt strange. I didn't like the way that made me feel. I'd rather shake people's hands who feel more like mine. And stay away from people who are, who are strange. And so what happens is in relationships, you're going to find people who are going to rub you the wrong way, like Frank's nub. Straight up. And we're going to preach another sermon today about loving each other. It's like, we need another sermon on loving each other? Yeah. Because we stink at it. Even God's people who've been called to love each other have this resounding, never-ending, beating drum of God calling us to love each other. We just don't do it very well. And so we're going to have another sermon about what it means to love each other. And my prayer and my hope is that you, when you're confronted with someone's awkwardness, maybe even your own awkwardness, because let's, let's be honest, Frank had to shake people's hand. He couldn't, he couldn't offer the left hand. That would have been real strange. But he offered his, his right hand. So my prayer and hope is that, um, that you guys will receive God's correction, his exhortation in your life, that you won't just be people. God's command isn't just love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love yourself. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We've got to be willing to press in past those awkward moments. So that's my hope and prayer. 
Before I jump into scripture and before we pray, I want to ask everyone to hold your hand like this. Okay? Everyone, young, old. Now, I want you to pull your thumb in like this. Okay? And pull it as tight to your, to your hand as possible. Okay? Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor. And I want you to try to shake the person's hand. Like, how? How's that feel? Is that normal? Is that normal? That, that doesn't feel normal, does it? All right, now come on back, Lucas. So, so, so the scripture actually teaches today, if we're unwilling to press through that, we're living in darkness. So that would be my cue for my people who I've asked to help me. Before the service, you remember who you were? We want, to, we want to press past in this uncomfortable handshake, and we want to move towards love, towards the uniqueness of the relationship God has for us, and if not, John's teaching us that we're actually in darkness. That's the cue. <laughs> All right. Don't fall asleep on me. It was a little darker earlier. Especially when that screams off. Listen, this would be this would be ten times more darker if we had shades over the windows or, or this light blocked out. And the scriptures teach us that if we're unwilling to press into and press past the difficult things of loving each other, the Bible teaches us that we are in darkness and that we are blinded. And we will stumble in darkness. And I don't want anybody in this church to live that way. I don't want I don't want to live that way. I find myself sometimes living that way. I don't want to live that way. I don't want you to live that way. Because that's not what God's designed for us as church. And so my hope and prayer is that as we as we press into this scripture, that God would turn on the light. And that He would help us press into loving each other even past difficult circumstances. So let's go ahead and stand. We're going to read today from 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 11. I'm going to read it out loud, but I would encourage you guys uh, to read with me out loud. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, um, that you'll take it out and use them. It's always good to bring your Bible to church. Um, not that we're legalistic. You've got a Bible on your phone, but, but this thing's not going to buzz and notify you. This thing is, is it's, it's going to stay the same. All right, starting off in verse 7, I'll read. You guys please read with me. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going. Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is God's word. Lord, help us see what you have for us in Scripture. Help us love each other as you've called us to. And help us walk in the light. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
probably one of my most awkward opening illustrations. But, you know, as I was studying this passage and had the assignment of preaching this passage, I was thinking to myself, man, do we really need another sermon about loving each other? Do we really need that? Like, I thought back to the when we did the outreach a couple years ago. Josiane's got the shirt on, Love Thy Neighbor. Like, we've, we've preached on this. We, we talk about this every week. Pastor Jay did a great job. Uh, Pastor Carl's done a great job of saying that these passages are called to examine you as you're reading them. You're supposed to examine yourself, and the main way, the litmus test, is your love for your brothers. Like, do we need another sermon about that? And so what I realized with that awkward handshake, those are the kinds of things. It's kind of a weird example, but hopefully that you understand These are the things which keep us from loving each other. And so we're just going to walk verse by verse. I don't really have any points today. I think it's the first time I've ever not had points. I just want to walk through the verses. Uh, There'll be some some dialogue time at the end as we've been doing. And so uh, starting off in verse 7, 1 John 2, 7 says, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. And he's referring back to Leviticus 19, verses 17 and 18. It says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Okay? So, just like them... We need to be reminded of old commandments. This would have been a commandment that, that many of them had memorized, their parents had taught them, they understood, they probably, as the scripture said, they thought about it day and night, they were meditating on God's word. This would have been one of those commandments that they should have understood. And yet, John is letting them know here, like, I'm going to bring up the old, I'm going to remind you what you've already been instructed, and I want to remind us today, we've been instructed as well to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen? Then he goes on, almost seems to contradict himself. He says, at the same time, it's the new commandment that I'm writing to you, right? The old commandment from Leviticus that Moses gave, that they were supposed to love their neighbor. And then he says, at the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Now, remember John also wrote the Gospel of John. And in John 13, 34, he says this. Jesus says this. John penned it. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I loved you, you are also to love one another. As he starts talking about the darkness passing away and the true light is already shining, I believe that's talking about the old and new covenant. Um, there's, I'm not going to get into all the eschatological views of the Old and New Covenant, but, but we know that the Old Covenant was passing away. We just went through Hebrews, and the Hebrew writer was telling them that the Old Covenant um, has been uh, basically um, completely fulfilled by this New Covenant, right? So the Old Covenant they were given was, would have been through the Levitical law to love one another. And now Jesus is upping the ante. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, in the matters of dealing with your neighbor, love, make sure you love your neighbor. Jesus says, love your neighbor as I have loved you. Jesus Christ was the Logos. Jesus Christ was the incarnate word of God. He was the word in the flesh. He came not only to teach us through his 
words, but he taught us through his actions what it meant to truly love neighbor as self, and he did it perfectly. And that's what John is calling them to. Don't just go back to the old law. Yeah, honor the old law, the old law to love your neighbor, but honor this new commandment that was given to you in the gospel of John through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to love one another as Jesus has loved us. We are called to love each other. Now, Pastor Jade, I don't know if he read my sermon notes before, but in his prayer time, he, he exhorted us that we will never be able to do this perfectly. Jesus Christ was perfect, and he loved perfectly. Jesus Christ perfectly loved his neighbor as himself. Does that mean that because we can't do it perfectly, we just don't do it? How many of you guys, when something gets hard and there's, there's a little bit of reason to, like, throw in the towel, you just say, I'm done? Hey, man, you raised your hands. Thanks for being brave. There's two brave men over here. Why, do you, why does it happen? Why do you think you give up at the first, or, you know, when you, the first little challenge, why do you think you give up? Easier challenge arises. Yeah, there's something easier to do. Okay? It's easier to do the easier thing. How about you? Don't want to give up comfort. Don't want to give up comfort. I mean, who wants to fail? Raise your hand if you just, you're like, oh, man, I love being a failure. <laughs> Audrey was here, she'd raise her hand. But she's not a failure. Um, somebody in the back was saying something? No, that's, like, for me, it's just like, that's not what I want to do. I'd rather do what I want to do. You'd rather do what you want to do. And then you've got the Holy Spirit, right? we got to remember that the third person in the of the Holy Spirit is God. And so we don't worship John as God, but we worship the Holy Spirit as God speaking through John in 1 John, and then also in John 13, through the, through the mouth of Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, saying, you're going you're gonna to be called, if you're going to follow me, you're going to love each other like I've loved you. That's, that's impossible to do perfectly. Because we... And we give up because we'd rather do something that's easier. When we're met with that awkward handshake, it's just easier to go find someone whose hand fits our hand and then fellowship with them. But God's calling us to press back that, 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 that awkwardness. He's calling us to press in. And just like my, my friend Frank, who's, who's no longer with us, if I would have given up on Frank at that handshake, I would have missed out on 20 years of mentorship. That man corrected me. He helped discipline me. He was a father figure in my life. He, should, he was a taxidermist. He, this guy handled guns. Like He was a manly man. Had war stories. He was a great man. And I would have missed out on all that. And so sometimes we, 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 we're willing to press into hard things because we want to do something easier. We miss out on all the benefits and blessings that come from pressing past that. Jesus has called us to that. That's what this new commandment is. Romans 13, 11 through 12 says, Besides this, you know the time, for the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Okay, these are people who... who have been born again, have been walking with Jesus, and then the Apostle Paul is telling them to cast off the works of darkness. 
And if you didn't know, when you, when you come to, to church, hopefully there's a sermon from the Word. And as the Word's preached, it's hopefully God exposing that you have areas in your life which are darkened and they need to be exposed and brought into the light. Ephesians 5, 7 through 16 says, Therefore do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord in this passage? To love one another. And I'm actually convinced that apart from being together, apart from spending life with one another, we cannot truly walk in light. You may have a mirror and you may, you know, you may see things about yourself, but when people get around you and they know you and they love you and they learn about you and you learn about them, more than the outward starts to be known. What's inside starts to manifest in what you say, in what you think, in what you do. And in isolation, you'll never truly be able to walk in the light. God's will is that we would, as his people, walk with one another. And then not just walk with one another, but love one another. Because the Bible says that you are no longer children of darkness. I talked a little bit about it last week, but we live in an entertainment. Actually, Jennifer brought it up. She said we, we, we medicate, we entertain, and you said something else. Yeah, we're just, we're like self-indulgent people. And, and my family can truly call me out on this. Like, especially after, you know, ministry and taking trips and pouring myself out for the Lord. I just want to, man, my dream would be to go lay in my bed and watch the Atlanta Braves smack somebody down in a baseball game. And I wouldn't care if anyone talked to me for three hours. And then if I could do that for another three, six, nine hours, if I could do that all day long, that would be awesome. And, and that may be okay every now and then. I'm not saying you can't ever do that. But if that's our regular practice of living alone and feeding the flesh and, 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 and being fired up with dopamines and, and scrolling through our social medias and filling ourselves with Netflix, if that's your constant rhythm and you do it alone, or maybe you do it as a couple, but there's never anyone else around, I don't think you're doing what Ephesians 5 says. I don't think you're doing the will of the Lord. I don't think you're honoring what John says here in 1 John. You're not loving one another. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 5, but you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like 
for that day will surprise you like a thief. But you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. And so if John's making a case that you can be children of light by walking and loving one another, then, then your choice today is to say, hey, I either want to obey God or I'm going to do my own thing. Because in Christ, we are children of light. And because he is light, we're called to walk in the light. John 1.9 says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. Talking about Jesus. And then John 8, Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So you see, to walk in light is to love each other. To love each other is to walk in light. Verse 9 says, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. This is the evidence that you're not walking in light. Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, said that whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And so I pray and hope that no one in here hates anyone else in this room. Okay, that's, that's, where we're st that's the starting place. No husbands hate their wives, no wives hate their husbands, no kids hate their parents, no brothers hate their sisters, so on and so forth. If that's, if, if that's it, if, if, that's, if that's your heart right now, you need to repent. Because the Bible says you are walking in darkness. That means the fellowship of the Lord is not on you. If you're walking around with hatred towards your brother and sister, you are walking in darkness. And then to take it beyond this room, because this is talking about brothers and sisters, and I think it applies to the household of God, God's people, His church. But I would also say that if you hate your neighbor, if your neighbor who doesn't know Christ, if you have hatred in your heart for them, again, Jesus says you're a murderer. And the Bible teaches us, the Holy Spirit teaches us, murderers will have no place in the lake of fire apart from the grace of God, which calls you to walk in light. So we don't have an excuse to hate anyone. Amen? Can we, can we, be, can we get discouraged by, you know, the evil tyrannical governments and our lost neighbors who, who, who are against all of Christianity, have all these wicked agendas. Can that stuff discourage us and, and, and cause us to be like distraught at times? For sure. That stuff grieves the Lord. But if those things don't drive you to love them, then you need to repent. If those things cause you towards hatred for them, you need to repent. It might be evidence that the light of God is not in you. Titus 3, verse 3 and 4 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That was us. Those are the people that don't know Christ. But verse 4 says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, we were brought into fellowship, brought into this love. We have the light of God. So my question is, why do people walk in darkness? 
Why do people walk in darkness? It's easy. Okay? Why do people who aren't Christians love darkness? Why are they foolish, disobedient, led astray? Why? Because they don't know the Lord? Is that what you said? They don't have the light in them. It's like walking through, through a, a graveyard looking at a tombstone and like complaining that dead people live in the ground. What's wrong with those dead people, man? They, they should be out walking, enjoying this fine day. It's like how arrogant of us. That was us. We were dead in our sins. We were like Titus says. We were disobedient. We were led astray. We hated other people. People hated me. I hated others. I lived in envy and malice. Covet every commandment I broke them. Telling you. And so did you. And so when you see those people who are those things, led astray, slain to various passions and pleasures, don't, don't, don't get on your high horse and look down on them. Like, how dare you? But for the grace of God, you're not there anymore. And the only way those people will be brought from death to life is by us loving them and bringing the light to them. I mean, this is like, yeah. this is it. Yeah. This is Christianity. Light bearers bringing the light to dark places and letting people know there's a better way. You're led astray by your passions, your, your, your pleasures. Let me tell you, your passions and pleasures are going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Someone brought that news to me. I thought I was a pretty good person. I was a scumbag. I was good at being a wicked sinner. It's the only thing I was good at. I was hated. People hated me. I hated them. I lived with envy. I was disobedient. Lived in malice. Chasing everything that could bring me temporal pleasure. And someone said, hey brother, there's another way. His name is Jesus. And he's the only way. And apart from him, you're headed for hell. And there was probably a lot of people that, that were, were, were mocking me and, and shaming me for all the things I was doing. But this one brother came and, and countless people were praying, I learned after the fact. The light of God came. That's what we do. We don't shame or condemn. We, we bring the light of Christ. It's beautiful. Why do we hide it? This past week, we did three outreaches. Probably like the trifecta of outreaches for our family. We, we did a, a thing we'll talk about later, rice and beans. It was, you know, ministry to our, uh, our neighbors that don't have a home that live in the streets of Charlotte. Friday, we did the Love Life thing in the morning. And, and then Saturday, we did the Matthews Alive Festival. I didn't want to do any of them. At all. I didn't want to go. Why? Is there like something wrong with me? Why wouldn't I want to bring the love of Christ to people who are dead in their sin? What's wrong with me? But I went. We were faithful. We went. We shared the gospel. We prayed for people. And we left and it felt good. I'm like, man, why don't we do this more often? 
We should do this all the time as a church. Why don't we do this? But if we were doing it again, I'm telling you, I don't want to do that, man. You know, gosh. It's like a, it's a weird thing that happens. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe all you guys are different, but man, I just don't, I don't always want to go take the light and love of God to people. The Bible teaches in Proverbs 4.19 that the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They don't know what they do. They stumble around. And we mock them when they're stumbling. I mean, you know, I don't get too political, but like, our commander-in-chief needs lots of prayer. This guy is like, he's past his, way past his prime. He, he can't speak a complete sentence most times. You know, I think he's got dementia. I think he's got a lot of stuff wrong with his health. And, and myself and most Christians I see, we just mock it. We don't pray for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. I see all the, you know, let's go Brandon shirts and Matthew's alive and Barbie Snickers. Like, yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's like, no, man, that guy's created the image of God. Something's wrong with him. He's stumbling around, literally, shaking, you know, the air. You've seen it. We all like those posts on Instagram. We laugh at them. It's like, this guy's in darkness. He needs the love of God. He needs Jesus Christ. We need to be on our faces praying for guys like that. When we see people stumbling, we need to be praying for them. But for the grace of God, we're the next Joe Biden stumbling around in ignorance. We're not better than Joe Biden. We're not better than Kamala Harris or any of these tyrannical rulers. But for the grace of God, I, I would be in that place. I'd be doing worse stuff. I'd be promoting one agenda in worse ways. All right. They're stumbling. We need to take the light of the love of them. Verse 10. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Guys, we, we will stumble. We will stumble. But when you walk in the light, there's no cause for stumbling. If we turned all the lights in here at midnight, we probably, some of us would knock into this podium, we'd knock over chairs. Right? That's what happens when we walk in darkness. The scripture is teaching us that's what happens when we don't love our brother. But when we're loving our brother, the lights are turned on. And there's no cause for stumbling. And the reality, as we said earlier, none of us can perfectly do this. So there will come times when you're stumbling. And that, would be, that might be a good indicator for you. If you're stumbling through life, you're being discouraged, you're being depressed, you're being, you feel like you're in isolation, whatever's going on, that's a good indicator, man, that I'm probably not loving others like God's called me to. Let that be a good indicator for you. 2 Peter 1, verse 10 says this, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Verse 11, For in this way we will richly provide, for in this way, that will richly be provided for you an interest into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, again, I'm not about work salvation, but this is about examining yourself, seeing if you're in the faith. If your life is consistently marked towards isolation and hatred, or maybe not even hatred, but a lukewarmness, an apathetic, an anger, an absence from other people, from loving one another, it's, it's a sign that you might not be walking in the light. Verse 11 says this, but whoever hates his brothers in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. 
Everybody close your eyes real quick. Everybody's eyes are closed. Michael, how many fingers am I holding up? Not supposed to look. If your eyes are closed, you don't know. Jim, open your eyes. How many fingers am I holding up? Two. Two. Ryan, open your eyes. How many fingers am I holding up? Two. Lucas, how many fingers am I holding up? Three. Adam. Four. Skyler. Kathy. Six. Elijah. All right. How do they know what number numbers I was holding up? You guys can open your eyes. Their eyes were open. They could see things. I don't want to walk in darkness. I'm about to be 45. I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. I hope I live a long time. But I don't know how much longer I'm going to live. And neither do you. And if you don't care about walking in light, I don't know if the light is in you. If, you, if this doesn't strike you and convince you and say, man, you know what? I can press into loving my brother more. If you think you've mastered that, dude, we're going to follow you and your name might be Jesus. So each one of us needs to let this scripture examine our hearts. Because I'm not interested in walking in darkness I'm not interested in you walking in darkness because you and me walking in darkness, we will stumble around like idiots and we'll waste our life, we'll waste our time. I don't know how many years I have left, but I want to walk in the light. Even when I don't feel like it, I want to love people. Amen? First John 1, 6, we read earlier, says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we need to examine that. We need to press past the uncomfortable handshakes of life. These things called relationships. We need to learn to disagree without being disagreeable. Talk a little bit about Joe Biden. Let's hypothetically say we, there was a Joe Biden voter amongst us. <laughs> what would we do? Would we ostracize and condemn that guy and say, you're not welcome here. Make America great again. I hope not. I pray that we'd say, brother, let's walk together. Let's follow Jesus. Help me understand why you voted for him. Let me help you understand why I don't like the guy. And you can help me understand why, whatever. We're to to work past the uncomfortable handshake. We need to learn to disagree without being disagreeable. You know, Abraham Lincoln, he's famous for what? Like, what, what's his, like, most thing, his most famous thing? <laughs> the Emancipation Proclamation, which was what? The end, of the end of slavery. Do you know that Abraham Lincoln was not against slavery at first? Did you know this? Yes. You knew that? All the homeschool moms like, you know, we taught our kids that. What you talking about? You can teach me a thing or two. But the footnotes version... Or the Cliff Notes version is that Frederick Douglass saw Abraham Lincoln, who was a man who was not against slavery, and he implored him. And he came alongside of him and he explained why slavery needed to be abolished. And by God's grace, Abraham Lincoln got on board and changed his mind. Man, imagine if Frank was Doug, or Frederick Douglass would have said, you know what? To heck with this guy. You know, the middle finger of that guy. 
cancel him. That's the culture we live in. You don't agree with me? You don't line up with 100% of my beliefs? I don't want anything to do with you. You voted for Joe Biden? Get out of here. Seriously. No, Frederick Douglass was patient. He met with Abraham Lincoln. He explained theologically why it was important to abolish slavery. And by God's grace, Lincoln, who was started off in the wrong slavery, is now famous for the Emancipation Proclamation, which was the abolishment of slavery for black people in our nation. Praise God. We need to learn to forgive. I get a lot of my theology for memes. I lost some of y'all there. <laughs> but I saw a meme just last night while I was studying for my sermon. It said, unforgiveness hurts you, not the other person. Unforgiveness in your life, it doesn't, the other person's like, they're, they're moving on with their life and you got this root of betterment, man. That's hatred. That's a form of hatred. And it, it's, it's killing you. It doesn't leave the other person unaffected. So we need to learn to forgive because we ultimately need to understand who we were in the story of redemption. We weren't the, we weren't the ones that were perfect and came to redeem. We were the ones who were sinful, imperfect people who deserve the wrath of God and Jesus Christ came to redeem. Amen? You need to understand that. You need to understand your position. Jesus is Lord. We are his slaves. Jesus Christ is king. We are his humble servants. Jesus Christ is God. Who are we? His people. Called to imitate him. But you'll never, you'll never be able to live this lifestyle of walking in the light if you don't have this as a regular part of your daily diet. You may, you may be able to touch and go intermittently, say good things, do good things, and you still be a Christian. But in order to truly, truly walk in the light, you need this in your life every day. I, like, I say it every time I'm up here. I'm, I, I'm dogmatic about this. I've always loved the Bible. I've always, you know, been a Christian, you know, since 2010. This has always been, like, the main book I read. But I'm so convinced now, <clears throat> if more Christians just spent time reading the Bible, like, we would walk in light, we would love each other, it, it confronts us, it, it helps us examine ourselves. Apart from this, I don't know what, what else can. This, this thing says that this thing is like a sharp-edged sword. That will cut you. And not just to, to harm you or injure you, but to make you more lean, to make you more equipped for the battle. Ephesians 6, you're putting on the armor of God. How do you know what it is apart from this? You got to be in prayer. You got to be in word. You got to spend time with God. You got to understand that you're loved by God, that you're forgiven by God. If you're going to love and forgive others, amen? So it starts with us. It moves to our marriages. If you're married in here, it moves to your marriages. I mean, imagine someone who says, I love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. But my wife, man, she's a piece of work. You don't know her, man. She's hard to deal with. Like, you would say, what's wrong with you, dude? And we may not say that. That's how we live sometimes. I'm guilty of that sometimes. You know, I'm guilty of that. I love you, God. Oh, my wife gets on my nerves. 
No, Jesus says, if you're going to love me and you're going to walk in the light, you're going to love your wife. You're going to love your husband. You're going to love your kids. You're going to love your family. Let me tell you something. We just sent off two kids to the Navy. And the other night I broke down crying. Because, and I'll probably break down crying right now. It was Friday night. I'm going on this hiking trip in a couple weeks. And I just want, to go, I want someone to go with me. And I asked my wife, she was tired. And, you know, my kids were doing stuff. I actually texted John. I was like, man, you want to go, like, you want to go to REI or look at some hiking stuff or whatever? And, uh, and I sat there on the couch for about 20 minutes, and I sulked. I thought to myself, man, I, I just realized something. My kids, if, if, if relationship builds trust and trust builds friendship, then my kids are some of my best friends. I spent a lot of time with my sons. And when I sent them off, man, like, I don't know. They'll come home every now and then. But I lost two best friends. Truly did. And I've said it. I've heard people say, it, like, hey, your children aren't your friends. Like, you're the father. Like, make sure there's a distinction. And I'm saying, kind of. Not really, man. I love my kids. They're my friends. They're my best friends. You didn't lose them. I didn't lose them, but I lost them. I lost them. I lost their presence. And so I just want to encourage all the parents here who have kids. Moses came with me that night. I ended up not even getting hiking stuff. He got a fart whistle at five below. <laughs> I took him out for Chick-fil-A, and I just told him, man, I'm so, Moses, I'm so glad you came with me. And I cried, and I cried, and I said, Moses, thank you for being my friend. You're my friend. You're my son, but you're my friend. And a Hulk comic. And we got a Hulk comic for Lucas. <laughs> five below. Good deals on And a bow and arrow. Um, but let me encourage you guys. I'm, I'm a little over on time, but I just want to tell you that you're, you're allowed to be friends with your family. Like, don't buy the lie that, oh, that's my wife. She can't be my friend. Or, that's my son. And I'm, I'm called to be his father. Like, Listen, if you spend time with people, you will build a friendship with them. And we had a great conversation our DNA this past week. Michael, uh, Michael, raise your hand. Michael's new to our church. And he was he was just saying, man, like, hey, when I, when I see the Bible, I see these people are called to be family. I'm not, I'm not necessarily seeing that. Like we have these meetings and it's good, but I'm not necessarily seeing the, the family aspect. He's Latino, so they understand family more than the average white folk. And I said, brother, you're right. You're right. We, we don't do that as well as we should. We really don't. Now, it would be impossible to be great friends with everybody in this room, but, but our church is broken up in smaller missional communities and DNAs where, where you can make friends with people. You can be family with people. And if you're not taking advantage of that, you might want to examine the scripture say, am I choosing darkness or am I choosing to walk in the light? Like, like my good friend Frank Scott, who's passed away, we ought to never show partiality. We ought, we ought never to take people at face value. We ought never to examine the outside without being willing to press into a relationship because God has shown no partiality towards us. While we were yet sinners... Jesus Christ came to die for ungodly people. And you're an ungodly person apart from Christ. But with Christ, you are the righteousness of Christ. Jesus Christ, who was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who was unapproachable, 
condescended, came to earth, stooped into human history, reset the calendar because he was so awesome, and he lived a perfect life amongst sinful people to redeem sinful people, to be light in dark places. He's redeemed us, and he's called us now to do the same. We love, why? Because he first loved us. We love others because he's called us to imitate him and his great love towards others. And we love others because he told us to. If you don't want to love others, you don't want to follow Jesus, you might not be a Christian. But that's it. Because this is what Jesus said when they asked him in Matthew 22. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so we need God's help to do that. Right, church? Let's pray. Lord, you love us. You've forgiven us. You laid down your life for us. And God, you've commanded us to do the same for others. And we all confess individually and collectively that that's really hard to do. Jesus Christ, you commanded that we would love each other as you've loved us. And so we know that you're not setting us up for failure. You're not giving us some impossible command that we could never fulfill. But God, you're giving us a hard command so that we'll depend on you. And so God, help us be faithful as a church to do our part. God, we have systems and structures in place. DNAs, MCs, inward meetings, outward meetings, Sunday gatherings. God, would you help us as a church be faithful to love you first and then love others? We depend on you for this, God, because without you, we'll never be able to accomplish it. But with you, Jim, what, what's possible? Anything. Anything. All everything. things. Everything. We can love each other with you, Lord. We ask now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I don't know how we're doing on time. Stephen, you can let me know. I was going to do some dialogue. Yeah, we're a little over. Do you guys want to discuss it all? Or do you care about time? Looking at Jake. <laughs> I'm not going to answer. Okay, he's not going to answer. We've got five minutes. I've got, I've got some questions that I think will help stir us up a little bit. Um, first question is, do you actually believe God loves you? Do you actually believe God has forgiven you? And then if so, so everyone's nodding their head yes. Okay, if not, let's talk. But if so, who or how is God calling you today to love others as family, to walk in the light, to get out of darkness? So as the sermons preached, you know, I didn't ask a lot of questions about who are you thinking about or what ways, but in this time, maybe you can raise your hand and generally how is the Lord leading, maybe specifically, how is God calling you to, to, to obey this command to walk in the light and to love others?
far down. I'll go. Um, the Lord's really been burdening uh, my wife and I that our neighborhood is our mission field. And uh, I've been starting to prayer walk, circle drive, that's where we live in Salisbury. And, um, I have like little faith in like, God's not going to do anything with this. Like I'm not equipped. Um, but yet God is showing up every time. Uh, the last time I prayer walked, I met my neighbor across the street. His name's Billy. And we just got to talking. He works for the post office. And um, he's like, hey man, we want to do neighborhood parties. And I'm like, I'll help you organize this. Let's do this. And so... Uh, we're starting to talk, I exchange numbers, and for another, another guy walks out of the house, and it's his gay partner. They've been together for 22 years. <coughs> they both work for the post office, crazy enough, for like the last 18, 19 years. And they have another roommate, guy's named Bruce. And so, the Lord's given me, um, him just as a person of peace, um, as someone to love, and, um, and he bowls, he loves bowling. So I'm going to go Tuesday night, hang out, and learn how to be better at bowling with him. And so, uh, man, I'm just, like, I would not choose those two guys to love at all. Yeah, they're just two, two yeah. weird dudes, you yeah. know? Just, it's weird. Um, but, man, I'm just trusting that God's going to do his thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's much like the uh, awkward handshake. Dude. Like, I wasn't expecting that guy. I wanted someone easy. But he brought to you two guys who are living together and yeah. all that. So praise God. Thanks for sharing that. And even the example you said, like, um, you know, God's not going to do anything with this. Praise God. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. We need to, we need to lift you up in prayer. Anybody else feel stirred to how God called you just to love? Maybe it's your home. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your kids. One thing that came to my mind, a lot of the scriptures you referenced was uh, hiding a light under a bushel and being afraid to really shine the light in the darkness. And for me, like evangelism is easy. One-on-one -on -one, uh, evangelism is not difficult for me. But we live in a wicked culture and um, it's, it is much harder to confront like you you referenced uh, have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. But to act, actually expose the fruitless deeds of darkness. And uh, like <clears throat> an example would be like these libraries have drag queen story hour. And if we love our, if we love these kids, if we love the even the people in there doing that wickedness, I think in me anyway, there's a responsibility on my end not to to hide from that to actually go and expose what's going on at those places. I mean, there's countless other things going on in our culture today, but that's something yeah. that was resonating with me as you were preaching. Yeah, and that's very hard to do. Yeah. You know, to call out those guys in love, right? Say, hey, man, here's what I believe. You know, I'm not going to build a relationship for those, with those guys for two years, and at the end of it, they're like, I didn't know you were a Christian. Oh, man, what a surprise. Like, you love them and you expose, like, here's what I believe. It's what the Bible says. Jesus Christ is my authority. So, yeah, we need to be doing that. We need to be doing those things. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
pajamas? I got a lot of people and some other couples that uh, are just kind of really struggling um, in the spirit and with each other. And I've been really good to try and support them as best I can. And, and some of them are Christians and they are not. Um, just it's always a temptation just to not reach out and kind of focus on people and can just kind of relax with and yeah, not really put much work in, but the Lord has been continually <laughs> pushing me towards, you know, always trying to um, reach out and support and, and, and just kind of minister to them as best we can, as I can and we can, so. Um, yeah, there's... You know, a friend of mine said a couple of years ago, God's, God's not going to hide the mission from you. You know? Like, unless you live on a deserted island, which sounds awesome. Um, I mean, I want my wife there, maybe, but uh, unless you live on a deserted island with your wife, you know, people are around us. And so we have, we have a decision to make as a church, as individuals. Are we going to love these people be willing to be vulnerable with them and, and, and learn you know about them love them pass their awkwardness or are we going to walk in darkness and isolate ourselves and so I went way over my time so I want to I want to close in prayer but I want to encourage you guys the word is clear that if we hear the word and we don't obey it we're like a house is built on sand, and therefore we will, our house will come crumbling down, which means it's not really built on the rock. And so, you know, I know I get animated and cry and all that stuff. Like that's just who I am. And but but I but, I, but I'm not, I'm not put on a show. Like I'm trying to get the point across that God loves us and wants us to love others. And if you're if you're struggling to do that, man, let us help you. Do that, basically. Michael, you want to share something? Yes. Uh, I was actually going to tell you this in person. I think that since I arrived, you have been mentoring me, and you said recently that you have been pointing me in the right direction, and you have. Um, and I think that uh, when we meet in DNA, uh, there's we have some disagreements um, here and there, and I think that uh, what I was going to tell you is that what I am looking for in you now and in my DNA brothers is friendship. So I, I think that um, we may not agree in all things all the time. Uh, and I want to be mentored, yes, but I also want your friendships Amen. Uh, as a man. And feel free to uh, call me or text me. And if, if Mr. Kamach is not available, I will hang out with you. Because I don't have a lot of friends here in Charlotte, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird. People people think I have, like, tons of friends. You know, and I say, man, I have friends, but, like, you know, Jake and Logan were the guys that were go to the store with me or let's go get a bite to eat or, you know, they're gone. So, it's like, it made me realize, like, oh, man, I don't really have, like, a lot of 
those kinds of friends. And so, brother, I appreciate you. He's been a great example. I uh, wish I had time to tell your whole story. But but coming to our community, you're like asking, like, hey, I see this. Why are we doing that? And it's like, great question. I don't know, but we should. And so thank you. And so Michael's kind of exhibited for all of us. The, the ante's been upped, right? The measuring, stick, the measuring stick of scripture is up here, and most of us are down here. And we're always seeking to move to obey God. In Christ, we're up here. Don't get, don't, don't get it twisted. But, but man, this is what God's called us to, a higher standard of friendship, higher standard of, you know, mentorship, friendships, love, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters. So I'm going to close in prayer, and uh, Pastor James will come up and lead us in the Lord's Supper. Father, we do thank you, God, for the great privilege to be loved by you. God, we thank you that... Your love and your grace covers all of our sin. In Christ, we do perfectly because of what Jesus has done. But God, we do ask for the power and the strength to obey. I think of Stephen um, in his relationships with uh, his neighbors. Think about Michael and his relationships with us. Andrew and his relationships, him and Brittany with their friends. And all of us, God. There's people all around us who are lost, hurting, broken, stuck in their sin, and they need Jesus. So God, help us not to look down on them, help us to love them, help us to care for them, and help us to expose the deeds of darkness and to point them to the one who is the light. And so we, may we never be guilty of being a stumbling block, walking in darkness, partaking with uh, unholy friendships that lead to us just not glorifying you, God. We want to glorify you with the rest of our days. So God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you give us your word. You give us your spirit to obey, and you give us strength in our weakness. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.